It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, glowworms, and welcome to the latest in this fascinating series of podcast episodes known as The Vanity Project with me, Vanity Von Glow. Thank you so much to all of you for continuing to listen. We are really happy with all of the great feedback that we've had, particularly um, some of you emailed me after the intro to last week's episode with Amy LeMay saying that it had chimed a chord with you in my opening monologue. And that's really valued feedback. I appreciate hearing from you. And I appreciate that my sentiments were shared by some of you because our podcast here is really about um, open-hearted conversation. And that's what I have today with a fabulous comedian who many of you will know from her various stints on television. Um, But before I go on to introduce her, I'd love to remind you all that I too am occasionally funny. And if you come and see me live in either my shows here in London or around uh, the UK, I love to make people laugh. And that's why I'll be doing the Edinburgh Fringe Festival this August. I've got two shows that I'm taking there. One is Dragon Wine with Beth Brickenden, the fabulous sommelier who has been getting me drunk for about 10 years. And also this podcast in live talk show form. That's right. The Vanity Project will be going to the Edinburgh Festival. We'll have different guests every day across the two different shows. That's going to be 52 performances that I'll be doing over the whole month of August. And I'm sure I'll be booking in cabaret performances later in the night times as well. It's going to be quite hard work, but it's going to be really good fun and it would make it so much easier for me if I saw some of your faces there. I mean, I don't know what you all look like because a podcast is not a visual form. So if you look in the mirror and you think that perhaps yours is not a face for me to be looking at in the front row, just let us know and we'll seat you somewhere in the back. A Birmingham comedian who had several successful runs at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Today's guest is Louisa Omelan. Her comedy has taken her around the world and she's even released a book based on her most well-known routine, What Would Beyonce Do? And she has a new Soho Theatre comedy special, Politics for Bitches, out on Amazon Prime today. She joins me now. Louisa, how are you? I'm very well. Thank you so much for speaking with me, Vanity. Well, thank you so much for coming on The Vanity Project. We haven't had a, a comedian in this season, so it's great oh. to talk to somebody whose job oh. is to brighten our spirits. I mean, 
do you know much about comedians? Comedians are normally quite depressive people, so I don't know how brightening I'll be, but I can certainly try. Do you think there is something to that, that comedians have some uh, almost beef with the universe and that's what makes them want to make people laugh? You know, laugh? I think it's actually more, I was, it's so interesting that you say that because I was literally having this conversation a few days ago and I actually think it's so much, you know that joke, um, I forget the name of the clown and I'm going to say it wrong, Let's just call him Peroni. That's not his name. Pegarelli or somebody was called. I forget his name. And there's a joke. And this guy goes to a doctor and he goes, doctor, doctor, I'm feeling really depressed. And he goes, why don't you go see the clown? Peroni's in town. And he goes, I am Peroni. And it's like an old classic joke, right? And um, there's something really interesting about uh, you know, this open talk about mental health that we've got this in our current climate is very positive talk about mental health, et cetera, et cetera about comedians and their mental health. And actually, I wonder, I speak to a friend about it. I wonder if it's more to do, as we're discovering more about mental health and biochemistry or whatever, that it's maybe more related to do with adrenaline. Like when you're performing, you're on such a high, high, high performing that naturally you crash. And so I wonder if there's something actually more to do with that, that it's the crash. And so then you end up in quite a somber state until you're on stage again, because you've literally just got really high. It's like a drug, isn't it? It's like any other drug. So you've got really high and then you crash and you do that constantly, you do that daily. That does kind of mess with your system. So I wonder if there's actually something a bit more biochemical going on. Or we're just, yeah, miserable. That's why we tell jokes. I don't know, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there is something about something I, I used to drink a lot in uh just as in my lifestyle but being a drag queen i can drink during shows i can drink uh when singing it's fine course, and it, was suit, yeah. it, it would suit the environment um but made the decision for productivity as much as anything else to drink less last year and one of the things i noticed with my performances was that when i wasn't drinking habitually and wasn't drinking as often in the week or at, not at all for 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 a hundred days i noticed that I, it's necessary for me to budget my energy before a show. So That's I almost don't want to see people. I don't want to make jokes or anything. I want to save that up for when I'm on stage. And then you spend all, all of that currency that you have, and then you go back to that that quiet state of mind. I love that. Such a beautiful, I've never heard anybody put it like that, like currency and budget of energy. I completely agree. So when I start my shows, I always start my shows on stage um, and I let the audiences in and, and, but they don't come in until I'm on stage. So I'm on stage and I'm dancing and I've right. my pre-show dancing. So anybody else would have a warm-up act or, um, you know, like a DJ on stage or an act on stage, or whatever, it's pre-show, it's just pre-show. On pre-show, I'm on stage. And I don't like to be talked to, don't talk to me, don't come at me. I don't want to, I don't, and it's exactly that. And it's sometimes I don't know how to explain it. And I explain it to saying, oh, I'm nervous, don't talk to me. But it's literally that I'm conserving energy, but not just that. I'm, I'm gaining the energy. It's almost like a superpower. As they're coming in, I relax. And as I'm dancing, I relax because I feel like, when, they, when you're at the side of the stage and you've got an audience in the room, they go, welcome to the stage, Louisa Romanland. I'm like, oh shit, 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 hi. <laughs> Whereas when I'm on stage, as they come in, I'm always like, it's my house. And it's something that I've always done as a comic. So it's like my thing now, like I'm known for it. Like they'll come early to be at the pre-show, right? I feel like you're coming to my house now. Like, so I'm in my house and you're coming into my house. And then I set the rules and my rules are, I'm going to be dancing before the show even starts. So if I'm relaxed and dancing, guess what? You can be relaxed and dancing too. And it just sets them up and it just sets the tone. It's about that energy, but it's keeping that energy um restorative or not restorative that's the wrong word like reserved 
and building and building it slowly. So then when I'm ready to do the show and then after the show, I can talk to them for like, I'll do the merch table and I love talking to my fans. I love selfies. I love all of that fans, audiences, you know what I mean? But afterwards I will need to not talk. Like I will need to, not, I want, I want a cocktail and just don't talk to me, talk to monkey yourselves and just let me decompress for like a good hour <laughs> because I can't stay on. There's too much energy. Yeah, it, I was laughing there because it reminds me of what you do if you have if you have like two guinea pigs or two rabbits and they've never met before. You're supposed to put the bigger rabbit in the smaller rabbit's cage Aww. so that it's the guest because it's bigger. It'll yeah. it'll automatically feel you know uh, author assertive in its own space. So you're supposed to put it in with the smaller one so it loses the upper hand. That's what I do because my audience is a big fucking guinea pigs and i'm like guys they are i'm only a little baby guinea pig <laughs> <Coming They're laughs> to my covered little in baby fur. House. <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly. so your comedy your comedy has been described especially um when you were having your come up and your rise about 10 years ago it was described as a new subgenre and i think it's partly because of that party atmosphere that kicks off right from the start you're already on stage and your show what would beyonce do um which uh, was recorded by the bbc and i think that would that was part of that big boost you had um what, what, i suppose my question is what is it about your comedy that made it different at that time well to give to put it in context bbc didn't record it until six years later like it oh, wow. wasn't any, it wasn't anything to do with the boost the boost was very much my audiences because at the time and I've, I've just written about it in my radio 4 show at the time for such a free and liberating art form there were so many rules according to other male comics which i always found bizarre like don't be too pretty don't look too nice on stage like don't wear makeup because things people will just like fancy you and they won't find you funny don't wear earrings because you'll be distracted make sure you like dress dowdy like don't dress anything too fitted don't look too glamorous don't do anything like that don't talk about personal stuff certainly don't talk about like like it wasn't even called mental health they're like a don't be talking about being depressed and shit on stage. Nobody wants to hear it. Um, don't be too crass. Don't, for the love of Christ, don't talk about periods. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. Um, like, and they would, I'd go and watch gigs and I'd see some amazing people, but I'd watch solo shows and a lot of it was gag, 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 gag. You know, a man in the mic and gag, 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 gag. And I would go to watch Cher in concert or Beyonce and feel elated and so funny, so exuberant, loved it. And I'd watch their shows and think, I wanna leave my stand-up show feeling how I feel when I leave a Cher concert or when I leave a Beyonce concert. Like, how do I make them feel like that? And so then I'd start like doing like pop culture stuff and it was immediately like, you can't be a comedian and do but like you're doing Beyonce, you can't be a comedian and have music in it. You can't, and I was like, well, Bill Bailey does. And they were like, yeah, Bill Bailey's a legend. And so he can. Okay, <laughs> there were all these rules and I ended up just ignoring all of them. And I was like, I'm just <laughs> gonna do a show for me and I'll do it. And I didn't think anything beyond that. And I thought, put everything in it that's you. It's your one woman show, it's your first hour. I've been doing comedy for six, seven years at that point, maybe longer. Um, and I was like, it's just time for me to do like, what show would I like? I like Whoopi Goldberg. So I'm gonna do some sister act references. I love Cher, I'll end on a Cher song. I like Beyonce and Adele. I'll throw some of that in there as well. I like clowning. I like doing accents. I'll put that in there. I like call and response with the audience. I'll put in that in there. I want to talk about being really sad and crying over an ex-boyfriend. I'll put in that in there. And the audience is just related and they loved it. And it was an audience 
it was an audience that don't normally go to stand-up shows. So it wasn't, it wasn't, I, I targeted the girls and the gays from a very, very early in my days. I was like, girls and gays, girls and gays, girls and gays. And they weren't really going to stand-up shows. Or they were, but not, certainly not in groups. They'd go to like drag queen shows or they'd go to, you know, um, welcome specific shows where it's like, oh, you're welcome here. Like, you're welcome here. You'll be safe here. This is a gay club. This yep. is a cabaret show. This thingy. But a stand-up show, like a late night, Saturday night stand-up show, yeah, you might not necessarily go as a big group. Do you know what I mean? Like it might be a bit, or if you went on your own, you could be picked on. And I was like, no, I want them. Like I want them in droves at my show. That's who I want. I want, mm-hmm. I want to let them know, hey, you're safe. Like we're together. Like we're, we're the same people. Like you're my friends. And my friends and me have a, a brilliant time. And we can have our own version of a stand-up show. And this is it. And so it became, it became so successful that for, I did it for years and years and years. And and um, after about five, I went to America and stuff with it. And I came back and after about five or six years, I called BBC. <laughs> I said, I've got this great idea. I'm traveling around America. It's like a travel show. Um, I'm traveling around America, trying to gig and like you record it, um, you know, cause I would like to film Beyonce at some point. And they were like, Louisa, please just let us film Beyonce. Let us just film Beyonce. And I was like, fine. What about my America idea? And didn't didn't happen. So they filmed. So then they ended up filming what Beyonce did, and I'm glad they did because um, otherwise I wouldn't have record of it. And it's a beautiful, beautiful show. So I'm really it's really nice that I can still watch it. And you did your show at the Edinburgh Festival, which um, I will be doing myself this year. I'm doing 52 shows at the Edinburgh Fringe in August. And 52. I suppose when you do the 52, I know, I know. Um, it's uh, it's one of those things that seems like a good idea um, just now, but in the month of You'll August, I think I'm going to, sh- I'll schedule a breakdown for the middle of the month. No, you can't. Um, you have to schedule it for afterwards. You can't. You can't. Right, so just have it at the end. You'll, ha- you'll have it at the end. And actually, 52 is not that bad because I was thinking when I did Edinburgh, I did maybe four shows a day. So whatever that is, wow. four shows a day, three shows a day. So you're doing like, yeah, just under two shows a day, which will be hard. Like, it's best if you've never been before, that's mental. Like, yeah, well, it's my first year. We're doing our dragon wine, which is wine tasting events in the, in the middle of the afternoon, uh, which I have a feeling you might enjoy, Louisa. And then also a sort of talk show version of this podcast later in the day. And I'm sure oh, I'll end fine. up doing I'll have my arm twisted into to cabaret gigs in the evening and stuff you like should. that, because you I, too, cannot resist yeah, the opportunity for some share in Beyonce. Ah. Yeah, you should. You're going to have a brilliant time. You should absolutely take any show you can and do it all. And you'll be surprised. Your adrenaline will see you through. It sounds like a massive mountain right now. But once you're there, oh, my gosh, you'll be sprinting before you know it. And then it'll be suddenly be over. And you'll be like, what just happened? Did, were the four years that you did it four years in a row? You went each year for four years? Uh, what, Edinburgh? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Four, uh, no, four shows a day. I did four shows a day in Edinburgh. So I'll do four shows a day in Edinburgh and I did it. I went for, but they, they weren't forced. They were like 20 minute, like 20 minute spots. I'll do a 20 minute spot here, then run do a 20 minute spot here, then do a kid show. Da, 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 da. Um, I would do it. Um, sorry, I, sat, I, felt, I felt like that sounded very much like, oh, well, I did four shows a day and you're only doing two shows a day. <laughs> so Not sorry, forgive all. me for that. Forgive Not me for all. that. Um, what I'm saying is you'll be fine. Like, don't worry, you'll be fine. Um, I did Edinburgh for... Uh, I want to say six years in a row before I did my first solo show, five years in a row before I did my first solo show. 
and then I've done Edinburgh maybe 12, ooh, 10, 10 years, nine, 10 years in a row. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Something like that. Wow. Um, but I'm so, doing it listening. So you, you, you'll know your way around uh, very well. I'm from near Edinburgh, so I'm not an alien to the city, but um, yeah, I'm excited to do it. So I will pick your ear after we've recorded mm. for any more secrets that you can't tell uh-huh. while we're doing our chat just now. Um, how important was it for building a comedy audience to go and do stuff like that? Because you've done comedy festivals around the world. You've been in Canada, you've been in uh, America, I think Australia as well, I've seen. Yeah, the only reason I had a career is because of Edinburgh and Brighton Fringe Festival. It was the Girls and mm-hmm. Gays. That was the only reason I got a career. It was because I could um, book the free show so I could book a room above a pub. And I didn't, you didn't have to be anybody to do that. Do you know what I mean? You didn't have to prove anything. If you could just uh, you know, book a room, either pay for it normally or, or not pay for it normally. It was like free, but you'd get a bad slot. So you'd get like a, I don't know, a, a 1 p.m. slot and, you know, Tuesday, Wednesdays and Thursdays, which is actually a great slot, by the way, <laughs> just so you know, like, but um, I would do that. And uh, you'd, it would build it for me because to, for want of a better phrase, it removes gatekeepers because it's literally just, if you have a good product, if you have a good show, people will come. Tell your audiences at the end, if, if they enjoyed it, I, I, begged my audience not begged but I what's the word I imposed impose in thinking on my audiences how important they were for my show to be successful so when they came to what yeah. Beyonce do and they would go mad and I wasn't expecting like I was like, oh it's so much fun that you're loving it so much like I'm glad you love it as much as I do I didn't think they'd love it as much as I did I was yeah. like please 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 like I was like I haven't got an agent I haven't got a PR I haven't got a publicist I haven't got I haven't got a team I haven't got a flyer I'm doing everything myself Please, I don't know. I did have a flyer. I did get a flyer. I was smart. I got a flyer. I was like, please, 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 please tell your friends, tell your friends, tell your friends, tell your friends. This is the hashtag for it. What would Beyonce do? Tell your friends, tell your friends, tell your friends. Um, I was like, I need you. Like, I need you. Like, I need you. And it was a free show. So I'd hold a bucket at the end and just like they'd make a donation if they liked it. And I think throughout my career, I feel like I've been holding a bucket out at the end <laughs> ever since. Because whether it was that or whether it was years later when I wanted to film My Right Ladies, which is a show that I did, um, which got nominated in, in Melbourne for Best Show. It did really well. A clip from it went viral. Netflix weren't knocking at the door at the time. Not they're knocking that. They might be. You never know. They might knock any minute now. Um, I wanted to film <laughs> it. Right. So I wanted to film it. So I asked the audience were like, let's help you film it. So then the audience is crowdfunded my DVD recording of Am I Right Ladies? When I wanted to go yeah. to New York to do an off-Broadway run, my audiences crowdfunded it. Like, I've been very supported. Like, I've had this very beautiful relationship where if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't have a career because no one's put me anywhere. Like, I've got a career without an agent, which is amazing because it would be really helpful sometimes to have some help on that that side but like I'm very lucky that I've been able to carve the career I want and make the projects that I want and it's purely thanks to an audience and now we've got Patreon right and so Patreon is like the is a great platform for people it's that thing of an audience going hey we, we want to support you we want to help you make your stuff that you're good at it is amazing how in 2022 we do have a fairly democratized way of audience 
um, of, of, of interacting with audiences, because like you say, if you can crowdfund or, we, you know, we've thought about with this podcast that there might be ways to, as we grow an audience, try, start to um, uh, start to interact with the audience more. At the moment, we kind of just put the podcast out and we don't have a community for the listeners. But that's something that we can do uh, in this day and age which wasn't possible even 10 years ago. No, not 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 the not the extreme not the extreme not the way it is now. Like I look now and even things now like I had a viral video back in 2014 15 something like that. It's nearly had 50 million views. Like now on TikTok like it's all about having a TikTok career with having lots of million views and going viral like and stuff like that and you go and if you do you get picked up you're suddenly picked up by these massive agents and put out there to do live shows and you have no experience of live shows. You're just used to chatting on your phone. And then suddenly you're supposed to play to an audience that isn't six people in a room above a pub in Edinburgh Fringe, but it's suddenly yep. 600 people because you're famous in inverted commas. So they've come to see you and you don't know how to handle a live room. You've had none of the training. You've had none of the, um, playing three people, playing eight people, playing 100 people, playing 600 people, playing five people, playing people that are rowdy, playing people that are quiet, playing people that are, want to interrupt it, playing people that, you know, want to get involved. Like, it's very much like, and Edinburgh does that. Edinburgh every day does that. Every day you get trained, like hardcore. And what's beautiful and what's so good for you about doing so many shows is you're going to have some shows that are going to be elating. Like, you'll be like, that was so good. That was so good. That was worth it. That's why I'm here. <clears throat> and then you'll have a show and you'll be like, I want to go home. I hate it. Like I want to cry and crawl under a rock. That was so embarrassing and excruciating. And life will go tough shit. You've got a gig in 10 minutes. You've got to get up and do it again. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, I don't want to. I really don't. And you'll have to. And because you do, you're immediately, you're immediately better. You're immediately better as a performer. Because you've yeah. had to just go, no, next, no, next, next. And do that. And normally in everyday life, you have a gig and it might be, you know, a week, two weeks, three weeks before your next gig. So for three weeks, you're going, oh, God, but it was so awful. Oh, and you're, you know, going on about it. But in Edinburgh, it's so instant, the education. Like, it's priceless. It's priceless. I'm so excited for you. You're going to have such a good time. I'm really <laughs> jealous, actually. Yeah, now no, talking about it, I'm really jealous. I'm looking forward to it. Um, and I think it will be fun to be, because the people that come to my shows right now, tend to be you know the fringe you ca your audience could be literally anyone because people just decide on the percent. spot last minute if they're gonna see something yeah um rather than audiences that are very familiar with you or at least very familiar with the with the concept of what i do in my shows i like and what you, you were saying that, about by the way sorry Vanity, but you will get that you will get people that you won't expect so like i remember with what well, beyonce i'd have like like an elderly couple come in and I'm like, oh no, it's, oh no, this show isn't for you at all. You're going to hate. And they'd love it. Like they totally would love it and be like, and they'd be the ones dropping in 20 pounds the back at the end. And then you get people that you go, oh my gosh, this is my crowd. And they, they will be your crowd. And then, yeah, like it's always surprising. Like who, you just can't judge them. You just don't know um, until you do it, but it's going to be so much fun. One of the things that I love um, that you've indicated there when you were saying that you want to feel the way you do when you've just seen Cher and Beyonce and, and you know, you, you mentioned Whippy Goldberg as well. I was talking to the impersonator Christina Bianco recently on this podcast and she does 
sort of comedy impersonations yeah, in a musical fabulous. show. Yeah. Yeah, she's she's so good. And she said that the type of show she wants to do is like a Bette Midler show where she veers from doing comedy one minute to music the next. And obviously Whoopi Goldberg is an example of one of those artists who in her stand-up days, it wasn't just stand-up, it was socially conscious in its content too. And I love those artists who bring you lots of things in mm. one package. Mm. Um, you've not been afraid of talking politically. In fact, your new show is a political show. Um, uh, yeah, like, but I've never been afraid of that. Like, I was doing stuff about body image and mental health and suicide back in 2012 when I was told it was too much and that I shouldn't talk about it. Keep that stuff to yourself. It was like, and now mental health and like, it's very common to get here's my mental health suicide story of an hour at Edinburgh Fridge. Like, but when, when yeah. I did it back in 2012, Oh my god! Like it was frowned upon. <laughs> like it was frowned upon. And then I did a body image thing, and it was literally me running around in some um, spanks, and just talking about how important it is to like yourself exactly as you are. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze. Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And I would get, oh, are you sure you should be doing that? Like, should you be taking all your clothes off and showing your body like that? I don't think. And now it's like, yes, go on, girl. Like, Lizzo, woo. Publicly. Not publicly, maybe 
yeah, maybe TV or publicly it's like that. Audiences always, audiences have always been on board. If you're talking about suicide in fucking 1886, they were on board. But for some reason, yeah. the front-facing media goes, oh, no, they weren't like that. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if there's this assumption that audiences are stupid and can't handle nuance you know everything has to be very boxed and very well if you're going to take if you're going to take your clothes off you're like a stripper party girl no I'm an empowered person talking about how important it is to you know love yourself and then the show became then I did a show about politics and then my most recent one actually that I've been touring but it's not the recorded one is about religion and how different it would be if we'd recognized the beauty of you know and the importance and sacredness of women at the heart of all religion um institutionally so like they're huge topics but they're funny like there's loads of dick jokes so you know it brings it all down <laughs> never too far from a dick joke in my no. life either oh. um in in this show that you're describing is this where um you have a, a segment um that's gaslit groomed and ghosted well so yeah so this is um so this came off the back of god is a woman so god is a woman is a show that i toured just before lockdown so it's frustrating because I feel like it's never really had its moment um, because lockdown made it <laughs> all weird. Um, but I got a Radio 4 series of the back of it, which I'm recording on um, recording next week, which will be out in mid-May. Um, so hopefully it'll be out by the time this show comes out. It's called Gaslit, Groomed and Ghosted. It's new terminology for the oldest tricks in the book. So the terminology is new, like it's buzzwords like red flag, green flag, gaslighting, you know, whatever. But the behavior yeah. is just it's just to describe abusive behavior. They're just words to describe yeah. abusive behavior. And it's how abusive behavior is a tale as old as time. And here's some women throughout history who are gaslit, groomed and ghosted. Um, and that's the premise of the show. Um, yeah, it's amazing that there are terms like, um, you know, groomed or ghosted and gaslit that that we didn't when you don't have a word for a thing that keeps people in a state of disempowerment and as soon as you can label label a problem one of my favorites is cry bullying which is is a term that like cry bullying is where um it's something would happen in like school somebody would exaggerate their claim of 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 being upset because then they could sort of get the teacher to dole out punishment on someone else so cry bullying would be i have a sibling so they say they cry bullying it's like crying yeah. wolf, but they're crying bullying. Exactly, because like I, my sister and I, growing up, you know, we would always bicker as as kids do. Yeah. You know, if like one of you hits the other, and then the other wails and cries, yeah, "Oh, yeah, I've yeah, just oh," yeah. but actually they're totally fine. Um, <laughs> but it's amazing, you know, that we've gaslighting's been going on for such Forever. a long time. Obviously, yeah. the phrase comes from the movie in the '30s. If anyone doesn't know what it is, gaslighting is based on the term where. You, you try and uh, it's a form of abuse where one partner makes the other think they're going insane yeah you know, they doubt thinks, they, they make them doubt them their own reality yeah 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 you're right actually i um, never thought of it like that it's beautiful that we've almost branded like not i was gonna say sexualized but that's the wrong word but we've made it maybe a bit sexy we've branded abuse and by doing that it makes it much more commercially more commercially known and heard about so more people will hear the terms and then you're right hopefully they can access help because they go oh actually no that's happening yeah. to me. That's a name for it. I can get help for that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Um, other experiences of like, because, you know, depression, breakups, all those things that people go through and feature in the work of comedians here and there. Um, Carrie Fisher has a quote that I love where she says, take your broken heart and make it into art. 
Yeah, beautiful. And that's very much what your most recent show, um, which is out on Amazon Prime, Politics for Bitches with the Soho Theatre, is about, because you wrote it after your mum had died. That's right, And that's for a personal heartache. Very, very much so. That was, but I would, I would say all my shows were written from a broken heart. Only where it won't Beyonce do because my ex boyfriend started dating somebody else, even though he said he wasn't ready for a relationship and was suddenly ready for a relationship. And so then I wrote Beyonce show because of that. And then once I saw how open an audience is to honesty and to go, here's all my ugly truth, here's all my ugly feelings that aren't empowering, that aren't, oh my gosh, look how fabulous I am. But actually I'm a a mess and I'm struggling and I did the same MRI and so when it came to politics I didn't want to write that show I was like this is this is a different level of personal this is not just a broken heart this is you know everything destroyed annihilated like I've never known um and I was on tour I was meant to tour because it all happened so quickly we were lucky we had some time with her but it all happened relatively quickly so she got diagnosed. My mom was very healthy, beautiful, healthy, gorgeous. So because she was so healthy and looked after herself so much, I think the doctors, um, they almost dismissed her more because they were like, you're fine. Like, look, you're fine. You're great. Like, you're, you're really fit. And then um, by the time I took her to A&E and was like, come on, like, they're not taking this. Something's wrong. We don't know what it is, but something is definitely like she keeps just burping. And they're like, it's fine. It's indigestion. Like, you're going to get that when you're older. It's like, no, it's it sounds weird, but it's just weird. And they wouldn't take it seriously. So from then from, she got diagnosed with stage four stomach and bowel cancer and died six weeks later. So it was all very, you know, it all uh, went downhill very quickly after mm-hmm. that. Um, and I just filmed the BBC show. So I thought this was my big break. I just filmed the BBC show. I was like, she was there at the recording. And then from the recording to it being out on TV, like our world has just <laughs> totally changed. And so then the point was Beyonce to go out on TV. I then got a call saying, would I do live at the Apollo, which I've been waiting for for eight. These were huge industry um, goals that I wanted to achieve. These were great. And um, she was dying when I got the Apollo call. And I was like, no, I'm not, I'm, no, I'm not doing it. And she was like, promise me, promise me you'll do it. And I was like, no, like absolutely no fucking way am I doing life like you're dying no I'm never doing comedy again I hate the world and she was like make me a promise you'll do it and uh, she died and a few weeks later was the Apollo recording and it was like a lot of money like it was a good few thousand pounds and I needed the money like I didn't <laughs> I didn't want to work I need the money and she's so annoying because she made me promise I was like oh I fucking hate you I really don't feel like doing comedy right now and um, I did the show like a few weeks after she just died and, um, and then I had this big tour booked in after the back of Beyonce to push the fact that I'd just gone on TV and I had Apollo and I had this tour booked in. I meant to do Am I Right, Ladies? And I meant to run on stage and take my clothes off. And I just bought this puppy, like a Bernie's Mountain Dog. And I would went on stage and I tried to take my trousers down, which is the opening joke to Am I Right, Ladies? And I was like, I'm sorry, I just don't care. I don't want to do this joke. Sorry, I'm going to go. And my friend was like, Louisa, uh, Bernie's, um, Bernie's crying at the door, Bernie, my dog. She was only 10, 11 weeks old then. I said, I'll bring her out, bring her out. And Bernie comes out on stage, like all like, adorable, little Bernie's mountain dog, ball of fluff. And the audience go, ah, oh. and I go, and I just sat down. I was like, oh, hi, sorry, I need, I can't, sorry, we'll give you your money back. Um, this is Bernie. 
she's a Polish Bernie. I got after my mum died. And then I started talking about how I got Bernie and how my mum died. And they were like you are now. They were just like leaning forward. Like they were kind of just, they were listening and into it. Cause I thought they'd be like, oh no, like we don't want to hear this. This is too much. This is too personal. This is too. And they were so kind. And because I felt that she was failed by a system because everything happened so quickly, there wasn't access to help. So normally you get access to, um, even like the Macmillan nurses, there was one, but again, like normally it'd be a procedure where you get access to proper support and proper drugs and proper thingies. And because she'd gone straight to hospice, like it was too, it was too late. So there wasn't any support and they were, and then I did the show. I got a standing ovation and I love standing ovations because I'd get standing ovations for all my shows. So I'd be like, I know if I've done a good show because I get a standing ovation. And I remember getting a standing ovation. I was like, what? This was not a standing ovation show, guys. Like, I've just, this was not the show. I would just told you what's happened the last, you know, 10 weeks. And the amount of people that came up and said, oh, this happened to my daughter. This happened to my son. This, I've had this experience with my mom. I've had, the, you know, different stories of loss or unable to access the system. Or a couple came up and I always remember they had a disabled child. But the child was... <laughs> The child was two and a half and big for a two and a half year old age. And the child needed to access the child that they needed for their family car in order to carry the child safely. They needed some kind of change to the car. They couldn't access the benefits to the changing the car because the child was only two and a half, not three, even though the child was um, the size of a three year old. Stupid things like that, which means they had to pay for taxis every time they wanted to take the child to hospital, which cost a fortune rather than just having their car adapted just stupid things like that like you'd hear and I'd get so like I'd be so angry but so comforted by these stories like oh it wasn't just personal on me (laughs) like it wasn't just our family that the world seemed to you know it's so many and I think I just grew up naive I think I just grew up thinking you know if you're a good person you pay your taxes life will be kind to and you know the system will be there to get you you know if you've always been good and well behaved if you need to access an operation or a hospital or if it's an emergency, you know, if you break your leg, you could be seen straight away. She got diagnosed with stage four cancer. They sent her home with Calpol. What? Like, um, and so then the tour I had booked in for this big show, I thought, well, I'll do as many dates as I could handle. And I'll just go and I'll tell everybody before I go, look, it's not going to be that. It's going to be me just talking. And luckily people came and they still came. And then, and then it became politics for bitches and it became, um a beautiful show and it got taken to edinburgh and um i got a bafta breakthrough for it um yeah so and now recently soho theater called me and they said we want you to film a show do you want to film god is a woman i said oh no i'm not ready for that yet and they said okay i said then i said what about projects of bitches like a 2022 version and they were like have you written a 2022 version i was like yeah of course i have give me the contract (laughs) Um, so I signed the contract and I had like four weeks to write a 2022 version if only something had been happening in politics the last two and a half years um and so then luckily I am luckily I don't know how I managed to write a 22 version that's out on Amazon Prime now politics for bitches in that show you talk about um you're not here to attack the left or the right you're here to ask questions about accountability to the people who have responsibility. You've put that nicer than, you've articulated that more than I've ever. So that was a very PR response. Well done. Like I've, never <laughs> been able, I've never been able to articulate it like that. 
That's a very good. Uh, Those are your words. Those are your words. It's probably so my PR's accountability. words. Because, because, yeah, because I, I tell you what it was, Valentina, I never realised how much shit you would get for just saying, guys, this is crap. Well, the other guys aren't as good. Sorry, what? I'm, I'm not talking about the other guys right now. I'm talking about <laughs> these guys that are shit. Yeah, well, the other guys. What? Since when have we got into this weird system where it's like we're so sensitive to any criticism that you immediately throw it to the other team? Just where's the accountability? All of you, where's the accountability? Mm -hmm. Like you and I know, Vanti, if you did a drag show, right? And you're doing drag and you're lip syncing and your lip syncing is awful and not in a funny way. I'll be singing singing live in my shows, Louisa. But I can sing live badly, so... Right, but say, but say you're singing live badly, but not just live badly, but like badly, not even funny badly or ironically badly. Say you're singing live in a way that you're just not caring or whatever. The audience will turn on you. Like, it's different if you're doing it funny and part of a character. Like, I'm talking about if you're genuinely just not giving a, like, if you, I don't know, it's hard to say that if you hate the audience and singing badly, because actually some, that's actually a really good thing to be a drag queen that hates the audience. Like, that's also a cool character quirk, but that's not what I'm talking <laughs> about. I'm talking, I'm talking about being generally, genuinely, that like if I'm on stage and I just whatever and I'm start on my phone or I do shit jokes and they're crass that any thought or heart best believe I'll get pulled up on it quickly I won't get booked again I won't be able to make a living from it you know if I do that repeatedly that'll be very difficult if you work as a postman and you keep putting letters through the wrong numbered boxes eventually you're probably going to get fired if you work in Asda and go actually dad dad you run a bakery why don't I speak to Asda and get you in Top of the list. I'll put you top of the list for the bakery supply thingy. You'd probably get fired. I don't know. I don't know how Asda's bakery scheme works. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Who knows, right? If you do 32 and a 30, you'll get a letter to your door with saying, you know, pay a fine or take a course. You can run the country, make these humongous mistakes, and everybody's just like, well, what the British people really want is to, us to focus on the problem at hand. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> what about the what about the plethora of cock-ups that we've just seen? Any one of them are a fireable offense. Like, where's the accountability? It would be different if you and I, Vanity, got away with the same shit. It'd be different if everybody got away with the same shit. What a horrible world that would be. But I just think the hypocrisy of one rule for those in power and enough for the general public is just bleh. Yucky, don't like it. Yeah, people are very much at the end of their tether with various aspects of things like party gate or you know, people are people are so frustrated at rules being made by people who aren't following rules. Uh, and by people not doing, you know, what the job says on the tin. So obviously you've mentioned and I see behind you is the gorgeous Bernie's mountain dog, who are they are like so beautiful and quite she big is. dogs. Yeah, she's she comes 15. on stage with you from she from, does. From, Fairly often or all the time? Yeah, all the time if she can. If she can, she's um she's about fifty three kilos now. She's on a diet. She's doing very well, um because she stole too many sausage rolls over lockdown. Um, <laughs> she's um her name's Bernie, and she's um I feel really sorry for her at home now because she's very bored and very unentertained, and she can play up. And the only time she's good as gold is on stage. Like she's amazing on stage. She's so yeah. good on stage and she loves it. We went to a comedy club the other day for the first time because I had COVID. So it was the first time in about five weeks. And I went and stood at the back of the room, just watching all the acts and all the audience. Like it's only tight, like about 60 people in it. It was gorgeous. And um, 
birdie came in the club and the, the audience started laughing and clapping and her little bottom got all wiggly and her tail started wiggling she's all like looking at me all happy and excited to be back at work um so <laughs> she she loves it and I am um, I'm very lucky I'm very lucky that I've managed to build my own most ridiculous job that I could just be like yeah if Bernie doesn't come then I don't come so thank you so I can bring her everywhere it's gorgeous it's very handcrafted, the work that you're doing, and feels so specific to you, which I think is what makes an artist, is that they're able to create something that you couldn't see from anyone else. That's very kind. That's very kind. You're very um, you're very intelligent, not to be patronized. You're very intelligent, but you're very astute. You're very good at um, uh, observations, aren't you? You're really good at picking observations and seeing what things are, I think. Auntie, that's like oh, a real skill. You, like that's a real skill, I think, to be able to do that, to be able to see somebody and articulate clearly X, Y, and Z, this, this, and this. Like that's a skill. That's a really beautiful skill. Yes, in answer to your question, when you put it like that, I guess it is. It's hard though, isn't it? It's like, it's hard. It's lonely. It's difficult. It's hard. It's self-motivating. But then it's also beautiful, empowering, and you feel like you're serving your purpose when it's going well, <laughs> even when it's not yeah. going well. <laughs> You do kind of feel like this is this is my purpose. Like, what else would you do? And then, yeah, no, nothing. And you're going answer. to be back on the road, serving your purpose and all with uh, Bernie well, in tow. So I, I don't know if I'm going to bring her with me yet because it's going to be a lot of work. I'm doing. It's ten years since what Beyonce do. So mm -hmm. I'm doing uh, just a few dates with the best of show. Um, in some of my favorite places where I'll be doing um, my audience's uh, favorite jokes from what Beyonce do. Am I right, ladies? Politics of Witches and God is a Woman. Um, and that's the only tour I'm doing this year. I'm not going to, yeah, I'm not fucking about this year, Vanity. Just going to do a few dates and that's it. Exclusivity. That's the plan. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on the Vanity Project. People will be able to get tickets for your show. We'll put a link in the description of this podcast. So if anyone is excited to go and watch some live comedy, um, then they can do so by clicking those links. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Vanity thank Project. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Well, from Louisa with her Bernie's mountain dog in the background, we're now joined for Queen's Corner, uh, not by a queen, actually, by uh, one of my comedian pals, uh, the lovely David Lewis. And in the background in his shot just now, we have tiny baby Queenie. Yes. So it sort of is Queenie's Corner, uh, as it is. She's doing very well. She's got her dummy in looking at me as if, why on earth are you on a podcast and not parenting me? So uh, we'll see how long. She stays quiet. I thought it was funny that you said that you were babysitting today because that makes it sound like she's not your baby. Yes, there's actually a fair point, to be honest with you. That would be quite the plot twist uh, if that did happen. I, <laughs> makes it sound like you're being given 20 quid to watch some movies, eat some popcorn and <laughs> make sure the baby doesn't die and then you get to go home at the end. Yeah. Well, I try and convince Lucy, my girlfriend, to do that anyway for me, but alas, to no avail. avail. So... Um, Anyway, it's so nice to speak to you uh, and not speak to you when we're both slightly, well, I suppose myself, maybe a bit more, slightly flustered on a Saturday night, not knowing which of the audience members might be getting violent at any particular point. And it's just very nice to be speaking to you on a, you know, when everyone's sober around the room. That's right. So David and I, for listeners who don't know, we have a show every Saturday in Soho. It's a uh, quite early. It's at 6 p.m. So people come and have uh, food while they watch the show. 
David does the the comedy. I come on and do some songs, and it's one of those whole package evenings where you get your dinner, you get some laughs, you get some music, and then at eight o'clock we're we're finished, and the audience are absolutely steaming drunk, and it's very chaotic environment it's like it's yeah. one of those shows that to me sometimes it feels like we're in a war zone so you've just got to lean into it because everyone is out to kick off their saturday night do you know what i sort of want to do sometimes is because people are so drunk so early you know sometimes on youtube you see those videos of like cameras attached to like cats or something or dogs and the dog sees the sea for the first time and like runs like, you know, 300 yeah. yards. I'd love to sort of do that, sort of attach a camera to some of the people that come to our shows and see exactly what they get up to. Because by 8 p.m., they are absolutely leathered. Some, I mean, they're brilliant. The crowds, like to my mind, I don't know how they rate with your other shows, but I think the crowd's really fun on a Saturday. And you sort of, you know, they really love singing along to your stuff. So I always think that would just be a great thing to do. We should sort of recommend it. Maybe we'd, we'd be rich. Yeah. We're missing out on yeah, like when they put a, a camera on a swallow to see its journey to South Africa. Uh, we should do that with the with the ladies and gentlemen at our shows. And then I have a, I have a suspicion that the people that come to our shows on a Saturday at Zebrano, I think they probably all end up in a in like a biffa bin by like ten o'clock. I don't think they can make it all night because they're just they're yeah. just they expend all their energy at the show. I think a couple of the people that come to our show over the past uh, couple of years wouldn't even sort would go for an even lower brand than Biffa. They wouldn't even sort of deign mm. to go into a Biffa bin. They'd go into a sort of be like a paper brand. basket. Exactly, exactly. Head first, but uh, you know, it it is what it is. But um, no, look, it's it's a great show. It's a lot of fun. In the comedy world, there's so much uh, people sort of rock up to a venue, they do their their half hour set, they then on they go to the next place. Um, so you, I, you've you worked with Louisa at some point before, right? You would have hosted and brought her on for a show some, at yeah, some point in the past. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the comedy that I do, you've seen it. I mean, there's different paths to go around. Like Louisa, I suppose, is the classic sense of someone who's really on a right trajectory to success, having her own idea, doing shows, doing spots. And then, as she was saying, in Edinburgh, going on to doing hours, and now she's got service theatre stuff. I was like can I bypass everything and become successful without doing all the hard work and graft? And the answer I'm sensing after about eight years is no, but it's still a great laugh anyway, uh, if that makes sense. So, um, yeah, so I tend to do sort of MC. I mean, if I can call it MCing, it's, it's, a bit, it's a bit bloody rich, isn't it? It's just me, you know, doing a bit of swear words that I try and craft in an intelligent, funny way and 50% success rate, uh, and then sort of bring you on sometimes to silence. Uh, so, um, you know, <laughs> I, 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 I really love it. I, I love what I, what I sort of do. And it's lucky to have that sort of job and it's sort of a different way. So it's sort of, can you become a successful comedian by being an MC, which isn't really a comedian. So it's sort of like saying, for you, perhaps, could you become a successful drag queen by being a really good vet? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's absolutely no correlation whatsoever between the two. God loves a trier, apparently. Well, there's Queenie in the background. She I has know. an opinion on the whole thing. Well. <laughs> Do you have, like, favourite comedians? Like, who's your favourite stand-up? Oh, my goodness. Well, past or question. present? 
Do you know what? I like the people that just sort of, I didn't know how to put it, really uncomplicated people who just sort of make me piss myself really with like one-liners. Like I am, I am, I don't know if you've noticed so far, but at my core, very, very basic. And uh, I try and dress it up with all this fluff about, you know, the occasional sort of trying to be clever joke, but actually it's all very basic. So I don't know, who do I love? When I was growing up, someone like Tim Vine or Milton Jones, people that just come up with really stupid one-line stuff, I really enjoy so um yeah that, that's the sort of stuff that i do but you must have a favorite comic too because you're you're very comedic i don't know how i don't know what the word is i mean you're very very i always think i'm 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 whimsical i feel like if you if you say things in the right tone of voice then well actually do you know so my favorite comic is barry humphreys who who yeah. has day medna average right yeah and barry i went to see him a couple of weeks ago i actually got to meet him backstage it was incredible because um, my friend is uh, part of the team doing the yeah. PR for the tour. And he said that when he first started out, he wanted to be a Shakespearean actor in Melbourne. And every time he walked out, he was in Twelfth Night, and every time he walked out, the audience would laugh. And he was like, no, this isn't a funny thing. You know, I think he played um, the person who says, if music be the fruit of love, or the fruit of love, play on. Okay. And everyone would just laugh. And he asked the director, why, why, why is everyone laughing at me? Because... It's not, it's not supposed to be funny. And the director said, well, it's just because you're ridiculous. Okay. And I think that that's what I am. I'm just ridiculous and, pe and people find it funny. Um, so, yeah. But then, you know, I would, I, would, I would then be from the school of ridiculous, being that Barry Humphreys I, is, I uh, say, is kind of my hero. Yeah, he is, uh, he, he is very funny. I saw his, like... Uh... He did a cabaret show about in Southbank about three or four years ago, which is very funny. And he still dances into his 80s. I mean, this is, you know, five years ago. I don't know if he's still dancing, but he did some very, very... Was this, was this the Weimar show where he did all the lost music of the Weimar Republic? Yes. Yes. Yeah, it was brilliant. Did you go? You went so to So interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I was... I was cool. Well, I went to see Dame Edna in 2012 and Barry oh. comes out at the end and it was his farewell tour. And okay. since his farewell tour, I've bloody seen him twice. So... <laughs> Not much of a farewell. Fair enough. Well, do you know what? We were so excited because my girlfriend and I, I mean, this does sound extremely fucking pretentious, but my girlfriend and I really sort of like 1930s stuff, not the politics necessarily, but like look, all the outfits and the sort of deco stuff and these things. So we were very excited to go down and see it. So we thought everyone would be dressing up, like, you know, really sort of, you know, a bit lavishly and sort of, you know, camping up a bit. And we both sort of dressed up to the nines and like she has like some original 30s stuff she bought online for it. I've got like, you've seen some of my stuff that I wear for the cabaret with you uh, and we both sort of looked like fresh out of like you know um sort of like a berlin club in the early 30s and we were the only people uh to dress so, so talk about so when i think about it i talk about like overplaying your hand really standing out <laughs> in the best way everyone's like i'm not sure you've come to the right show uh but um no that was brilliant Very that used to piss joan rivers off she said that like back in the 70s and the 60s people used to dress up to go to the theater but come the 2000s, people just wore their T-shirt and jeans and like it really annoyed her. She was like, you've come to see a show, like get in, get in the zone. I agree. Do you know what? I ran a show and I'd like to reprise it. And if I do, then I'd love to get you on board. But I used to run a show called Putting on the Rats. I don't know if I told you about this, uh, which was um, a play a play on Putting on the Rich, which was a, an immersive 1930s comedy show. Right. And the strap line was, you know, be transported back to a golden age, but without the nationalism or economic collapse. 
and you'd come in and there'd be a stylist and it was good so all the men I mean what you can't really do it perhaps I mean perhaps to some of the women they want to have their hair redone uh I mean this is clearly very heteronormative stuff for me but it, as we experienced that's how it was but we'd say to the men right you need to get your hair done the 30 style so we'd have them all like comb overs and then we'd have like someone in that, so it would be sort of like the, that immersive idea that we did. So everyone would have to look like they're in the 1930s. And um, we did a few and bits of it worked, but the styling didn't work. Who would have thought that getting your hair cut during a show wasn't the way forward? Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's something you're not going to catch me doing. <laughs> I always think in my mind sort of romantically that I would do an aesthetic from that time from that era so it's like i less not 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 so much the weimar thing more like you know joan crawford who had the she has the statuesque shoulder thing um and then the hair but then i just never do it perhaps you have to pluck the shit out of your eyebrows as well i mean that is the only yeah it's a lot so it's a lot to be real those well in the meantime in lieu of period attire you're always dressed very smartly on a saturday night i have to say um, I am. I'm usually dishevelled because. No, not not at all. I mean, I always have to sort of try and keep up with you. It's nice that uh, every time I do buy something nice, either in a in a sale uh, in quite a uh, posh boutique, or much more often, uh, sort of secondhand, uh, occasionally at vintage stores. I always think this it looks lovely and is amazingly taxable uh which is really a negative way way to look at comedy but i think fuck i mean the stuff that you could expense jesus wept i mean i think i'm doing well i mean oh absolutely it's like the house the of, of sequins your uh your your wardrobe for the saturday night so exactly <laughs> like the, the house of river island um <laughs> so uh people can get tickets to our show um because it's every week so if you're in soho and you want to come and have a bit of a a knees okay. up David and I do a show. It's currently called the New Normal Cabaret, but I actually think we're changing the name, aren't we? And it's changing the name like very, very soon. We're moving into a new room. They they I think, think we're moving into the new room this week. And I can assure you we're bloody not because there's I'm, no way that the refurb is finished. I'm sensing we're not. Can I tell you who my favourite customers are? Uh, and I suppose I'd like to plug it. Are the people that go to your show and just carry on drinking into our show. So those are the people that yeah. I'd like to attract. People that are just yeah. like, one really boozy hilarious drag show isn't enough for one day so then they stay in the venue for another two hours and come and watch our show yeah yeah so those are the people i'm appealing to people that would like to come to two drag shows in a day god bless them (laughs) absolutely well david thanks for joining us for queen's corner on today's episode of the vanity project and i'll see you on stage on saturday night my pleasure thank you for having me and i will see you soon you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment look younger feel like you add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with juvederm voluma xc reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with juvederm volure xc 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.